Good morning. Happy Father's Day. Oh, thank you very much. Thanks for thinking of me, Blaine. Uh, welcome to week five of What Makes You Happy. So, of course, as we're talking about happiness, naturally, of course, one of the first things that comes to my mind is heartbreak. Uh, having been a pastor now for more than 20 years, I can tell you that I get courtside seats, ringside seats, rink-side seats, watching other people's stories and watching other people make decisions that uh, undermine their own happiness. They shoot themselves in the foot. And we've all been in a situation where, where you can see it coming. And maybe, maybe that situation's in your own life. And what was I doing? And maybe it's the life of your kids. How can they not see? Um, maybe it's your friends' lives. You go, you wouldn't believe what they're doing. And uh, maybe it's just TV or movies. And you, you watch the characters and you say, no, <laughs> you know, don't do that. Stop. Can't you see what you're doing? Can't you see where this is leading? And it's tragic watching people um, undermine their own happiness. Uh, there's enough unavoidable pain in this life that it, we don't need to bring about any unnecessary pain ourselves. Pain will come. One of the promises that Jesus made to us uh, that we have all found to be true is John 16, In this world you will have trouble. One of the promises that we are least likely to put in, a, in birthday cards or, or anniversary cards, Happy Valentine's Day, honey. You remember what Jesus promised us, Shmoopy? That's right. We're going to have trouble. In this world, we will have trouble. We don't need to be reminded of it because we know it. It's self-evident and it's recurring. And it breaks my heart watching people make decisions that don't necessarily hurt them immediately, but ultimately they attack and, and, and cripple their own happiness. Now, observation has taught me, and it's probably taught you the same thing, that we have uh, confusion over these two ideas, and they are pleasure and happiness. That's our focus for today. These two terms and the relationship together, how do they work together? Pleasure and happiness. And so the first stop on our journey today, uh, some powerful words from Jesus coming from uh, the Gospel of John, chapter 10. And Jesus is in the middle of teaching, and he says, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. And thief equals bad, okay? In case you didn't see that. In context, we can see that Jesus is going to refer to anyone who steps into anyone's life and as a result uh, steals something or, or kills something or destroys something. Thieves come. That's what thieves do, right? When, when these bad things happen, you can identify, you can say, it's happened, I know a thief has been here. But if you're, and I think, yeah, basically everyone here, 16 years or older, who do you think has the greatest capacity um, the greatest potential in your life to steal your future from you, to, to kill a relationship, or to destroy your life? Who has the most potential in your life to steal, kill, and destroy? Who has the most impact on things going forward? Can you see what's coming? It's the, the same answer for all of us. You see this person every single day in the mirror. You have more potential to steal, kill, and destroy your life than anyone or anything else. And I know it's easier sometimes to imagine that that passage there, that the thief is always and only Satan. And we've heard that the devil is stalking us, prowling like a hungry lion, ready to devour those who are not ready. And that is true. But the, 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 don't let yourself spiritualize it to deflect your level of responsibility. On an everyday basis, you are with you at all times. You are involved in every single decision that you make. 
you are potentially your own thief. I am my own worst enemy. The bad news is that you have the potential to be your own worst enemy also. You have done more to undermine your own happiness than anyone else. You have the capacity to undermine your own happiness on a more regular basis than anyone else. How do I know that you have the capacity to undermine your own happiness? Because you bought it. You leased it. You ate it. You drank it. You smoked it. You spent it. You said it. You yelled it. You dated it. You slept with it. Some of you even married it. You did this to yourself. And you think back and you realize in all of your unhappiness, you were there. You were there for all of it. You were the common denominator in every single event in your life. And as much as we would like to blame other people um, for our unhappiness, the truth is that we can very likely be our own worst enemies. And Jesus says the thief is the one who comes into your life to steal something, to steal your future, to kill something, to, to kill a relationship, or to just, just, just destroy to just destroy something. Uh, in some ways, we are that person. We are that thief. We are the one doing that to ourselves. And then as Jesus goes along, he kind of changes the tone here. And he says, I have come that they might have life. And then he recognizes the same thing that people around you recognize with this. And they quite often argue that say, if I follow Jesus, it cramps my life. It takes away my fun. And so he adds this part onto the end. And he says that they may have life and have it to the full. And full is the English translation. And as always, when translating words from another language, it is difficult to get the entire meaning or the complexity of the thought without stopping to fully examine or to explain what the word means. So full is accurate. It's an accurate translation. But it lacks the weight and it lacks the, the energy of the Greek word. So if you grew up in church or you just grew up around someone who had uh, the King James Version Bible, then maybe you have heard it said this way. I have come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. Not just life, but life abundantly. And that fleshes it out a little bit more. That captures a little bit more of the energy. This little Greek word, it actually translates, or the, the, the meaning would be, pertaining to that which is not ordinarily encountered. Okay, a great little word. I've come that you might have life in such a way that it is not even normally encountered. You won't come across this regularly. It is beyond average. It is extra good. It is super good. And I've come that you might have an extraordinary life, an abundant life, the kind of life that people will have to step back. They're going to have to think about it for a moment because they're not used to seeing it. And then they're going to say, wow, how come? And in that life, it's not the absence of difficulty or struggle. There is something that happens different, and it's kind of like greater intestinal fortitude. And it bleeds out in the way that you respond to life, the way that you handle what you are required to handle. I've come that you might have life, an abundant life. That's why I came. And so he continues, I am the good shepherd. Now, as awesome as that sounds, we lose some of that, right? Because we're not sheep people. We miss out on some of the good that he's saying there. So, good shepherd? Well, how good? 
He said, well, I'm not an average shepherd. I am the good shepherd. And the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. So no matter what you have heard, no, no matter what you read or think that you read in the Old Testament, no matter what you um, think you read in the New Testament, you know, no matter the way that somebody else phrases things when they talk about Scripture, when they say this is what the Bible says, you need to understand that all of that comes in the context. The context is that all of those things come under the idea that God sent his son into the world to be a good shepherd. And Jesus says that as a good shepherd, he lays down his life for the sheep. And if someone is willing to lay down their life for you, then they are for you. They're not against you. And what the shepherd does stands in stark contrast to what the thief does. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And Jesus says, I'm the good shepherd. I came to give, to build, and to protect so that kind of contrast brings us to a decision point. Will you go and follow the thief? Maybe a spiritual thief. Maybe someone in your life. Uh, oftentimes, again, it's the one in the mirror. Or will you be willing to decide that Jesus really is the good shepherd? And I am going to follow a good shepherd who is for me, not against me. For the image that Jesus is, is, is throwing out there to become real you also have to realize that Jesus is comparing you to sheep. And sheep are not really all that smart. Um, and you could hear that in a very offensive way. Like, hey, what are you doing? Why can't talk about me like that? But remember, just for a moment, that list of things. Think of all the dumb things that you have done that have brought you to the place that you are today. The bottom line is that you have become good at making bad decisions. Thank you. Thank you very much. You know you are frequently your own worst enemy. But you are not your only enemy. And those of you who are Christians, you know this as well. When you read the New Testament, you will notice that the authors personify the word sin. They treat sin as an entity or they treat it as a power. And we said a couple of weeks ago, what we know is that sin always separates. So whatever your definition is, the one that you can make up if you would like, if that is easier for you, the impact is the same. Same. Sin separates. Sin moves us towards isolation. Sin separates us from God. Sin separates us from ourselves. Sin separates us from others. It moves us into isolation. If you have any relational problem, it is because someone did something wrong. That something wrong we call as a blanket sin. Maybe it was them. Maybe it was you. Maybe it was both of you together. Maybe it was someone outside. But sin will always separate. Sin always moves you to isolation. It separates us from ourselves. And that's why there's truth in that staying, that the angst-filled thing when we say, I can't live with myself. So let's change the language here to, to what Jesus was saying. Sin comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. And consequently, um, if something doesn't change then we undermine our own happiness. Undermine is like dig out from underneath. And this is not really deep wisdom or esoteric thought. This is just, you were just thinking of a list of illustrations of what you have done that you have lived this out. So why do we keep doing the same dumb things over and over and over? So whether you're a Christian or not, a huge part of this is our confusion between pleasure and happiness. Did you know that God created you with the capacity to experience both. 
We have the capacity to experience pleasure. We are hardwired with the capacity to experience happiness. God put it there. God designed, created, and rolled out the concept and the practice of sexual pleasure. He created us to find pleasure in so many different ways. God is not against pleasure and God is not against happiness. The problem is that it is not either or. The problem is priority. When we prioritize pleasure over happiness, there's a problem. When you prioritize pleasure above happiness before, ultimately you get neither. Happiness leads to pleasure. But pleasure first undermines happiness. If you pursue, if you pursue pleasure and ignore the principles that lead to happiness, at the end of the day, you end up with neither. Eventually, pleasure loses its pleasure and becomes a prison. And this is first-year economics, if any of you took that. This is the, called the law of diminishing returns. Half a glass, then a whole glass, then two glasses, then a bottle, and now you're yelling at people that you don't even know. Every single legitimate pleasure over time can become a master. It can become the priority. Then pleasure loses its pleasure. What begins as a pastime becomes a pathway. It becomes a habit. It becomes an addiction. And oftentimes, it becomes a prison. And these things might very well not be illegal. These things might not even be immoral. But in your life, and in my life, when we prioritize any pleasure over the principles of happiness that we've been talking about for these last couple of weeks, um, you remember we, we talked about the stuff that Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, and we looked at, to try and create this idea of what happiness looks like and where it comes from. At the end of the day, all pleasure loses its pleasure. So about 25 or 30 years after the resurrection of Jesus, there comes along a guy, he's a really smart guy, and he did um, a fair amount of writing and teaching to a bunch of people um, about Jesus. And he wrote primarily to, and he spoke primarily to, people who were non-Jewish, like us. And he writes to some of his friends and some people that he didn't know, but some friends in, in, uh, in Rome that were Christians, and some of them, uh, what he's trying to do is encapsulate some of this idea that we've been talking about. And in Romans 6, this is what he says. Paul says, don't you know? Great way to start that section, right? This is Paul's way of saying, if you want to translate it into English, you'd go, really? Are you trying to tell me that you don't even know this stuff? Do I really have to say this out loud? Does, doesn't everybody already know? He's about to say something that you do know. He's just going to say it in a way that you have not heard it before. So he's saying, here's some common sense. Now that you've got the common sense, go and do something uncommon with it. Use the common sense. So don't you know that when you offer yourselves to someone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one you obey? Yes, I'll take one of those. I'll do that. Yep. Yep. Another one. Okay, sure, I'm in. If I continue to say yes to a pleasure over and over and over, don't you realize that you are becoming a slave to that thing? No, 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 I'm not a slave. I'm choosing it. If you choose the same thing over and over and over, you are no longer choosing. 
You are being drawn in. You are giving up control. You are behaving the same way that a slave does. You are behaving as if you have, as if you have to, and not simply that you want to. Free to start, but are you free to stop? Whether you are slaves to sin, which leads to death, Remember we talked about this a couple of weeks ago too. Sin always separates. Sin brings death. Doesn't matter which definition of sin you want to use. Death is what you earn from sin. Remember we talked about this too. The wages of sin is death. Sin kills stuff. It kills the way you view yourself. It kills um, your marriage. It kills your relationships at work. It kills your, um, your relationship with your family, with your kids. Sin kills stuff wherever it goes. If you find sin, you find something dying. So either you're a slave to sin, which leads to death, or now he points towards Jesus' teaching, right? Eyes up. Look at Jesus. Or you offer yourself or, or, or in obedience to God through Christ, which leads to righteousness. That is just a fancy way of saying a right relationship or a right standing with God. Paul reminds us of something that we might just overlook. He says, don't you realize that every single day of your life you're offering yourself as a servant to, as a slave to. You give obedience to sin, or to use the language that we've been using here, to pleasure. Not all pleasure is sin, but you are offering yourself to someone or to something. And he says when you do that, when you obey, when you say yes over and over and over, you are giving up your freedom. You are behaving the same way that a servant would behave or a slave would behave. And Paul says, you can do that to sin, or you can do that to pleasure, or you can lean in, and you can offer yourself up to be a servant to or a slave to your heavenly Father. Jesus says, you can follow me with trust, because I am a good shepherd. And Paul would say, as we saw a couple of weeks ago again, when you say yes to God, you have peace with God. And peace with God paves the way to peace with ourselves and equips us to make peace with others. When you decide to follow Jesus as the good shepherd, when you decide um, to opt for obedience to God, that's going to uh, pave the way to peace with ourselves and to peace with others. When we looked at this the first time, we figured out that was the definition of happiness. Being at peace with God, myself, and with others. That's what happiness looks like. And that's what happens when you are happy. So if you say yes to any pleasure over and over and over, you have become a servant to, a slave to that pleasure. And when pleasure takes precedence over the principles of happiness, those principles that we've been looking at, ultimately, you have neither pleasure nor happiness. The peace that you long for, that you went to the pleasure to find, evaporates. And there's a pathway that leads somewhere. 
And then Jesus' pathway leads to a different location. And it looks more like this. Sow better, to reap better, to feel better. Seeing the steps before us really helps us to follow that correct pathway. And here's when we get into trouble, okay? We get into trouble when we are feeling unhappy, right? So we immediately do something that makes us feel happy. Can't feel unhappy, must do something to feel happy. Isn't that right? Isn't that what we do? And isn't that where we get ourselves into trouble? If I'm feeling unhappy, I say, I've got to do something. I'm feeling unhappy, so I'm going to go shopping. I'm feeling unhappy, so I'm going to stop by the whatever it is. I'm feeling unhappy, so I'm going to call up so-and-so. I'm feeling unhappy, so I need a little something to pick me up. I need a quick fix. That's why we make decisions that ultimately undermine, that dig out from underneath our own happiness. And Jesus promises us that there is no quick fix to happiness. You sow and you reap your way there. Happiness is not immediately accessible. You work your way in that direction. But as long as you keep saying yes to the pleasure over and over and over, that, that you hope that it will somehow be the quick fix that's all that you really need to fix your unhappiness. Ultimately, you undermine long-term happiness because you become a slave to the one to whom you give your obedience. So I'm going to ask you a question. And you don't need to answer the question out loud. I know that will disappoint you. You love to answer questions out loud. But no one can read your mind, all right? So answer the question honestly in your own mind. Answer this question just for you. You owe yourself an honest answer to this question. Only a thief will try to steal your future. Only a thief will try to kill your relationships. Only a thief will try to destroy you. Why not acknowledge what is true about you? Only a thief would not want you to answer this question. Don't you be the thief. Is there a pleasure that's undermining your happiness? Just be honest. There's nobody here who knows what you're thinking. Just consider this by yourself right now. Nobody else. Not, you don't have to decide for them. Is there a pleasure that if you continue to say yes to it, it's going to undermine the happiness of the people that you care about most? If you continue to say yes to that pleasure, you're the thief. You are in opposition to Jesus' invitation to follow him as the good shepherd. Is there a pleasure that's slowly taking you prisoner? You are slowly losing your freedom to say no. Not only do you answer the door every time the doorbell rings, but now you find yourself face pressed up against the glass waiting for the next visit to show up. I'm going to tell you something again that you already know. One day, you'll wish that you had quit answering the door. One day, you're going to look back and you're going to wonder why you're so unhappy. And in that moment, you'll discover that you have become your own worst enemy. You will discover that you are a sheep who is longing for a good shepherd to show you the way. 
And perhaps by God's grace today, you would be willing to trade your pursuit of pleasure for a good shepherd. He will not drain you of life and remove the things that you think are great. Because he has come into the world to give you life and life abundant. And that is an exchange that you can make and you will never regret. Your happiness is at stake and you want to be happy. You can follow the thief who only wants to steal, kill, and destroy. Or you can follow the good shepherd who has come and who has given his life so that you could have life and life abundant. It's your choice. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for the way that you care for us. You show us what it's like to be a good father. And today, as we try and figure out what it means to be a father, and we celebrate fathers, we, those of us who are fathers know that it's a, it's a never-ending journey. We've got to keep figuring out how to do it, how to face the, the failures that we make, how to overcome the bad examples that we've seen, how to, how to undo what we've started, how to sow and reap our way in a better direction. God, I believe that you have set in motion a plan that brings us happiness. Your desire is that we would be happy. You have laid out principles that show us if you do this, then happiness follows. We have such a difficult time believing you and trusting you. There is marketing on the other side that constantly says, cut the corner. Just go straight here. This is what you want. Take it. No one can tell you no. It's yours. Take it. You deserve it. God, I pray that today you would hammer into our hearts again the places that we are undermining our happiness, that we are digging the foundation out of our long-term happiness for a short-term pleasure. You're for pleasure. You're for us. And so often people believe that you are against them and against pleasure. There couldn't be anything farther from the truth. Help us to see the truth today. Help us to see you today in the role that you have told us, the good shepherd, the one who leads us, the ones who ensures our safety, the one who takes us to places to make sure that we are cared for with all of our needs. What would it be like for us to walk in trust that you could do all the things that you said you would do? It is so easy to trust quick fixes. And even though we find that they regularly disappoint us, we keep going back. Holy Spirit, today I pray that you would call us to yourself. That you would pull our eyes up. That we would see you as the good shepherd and that you can be trusted. Let's put something down today and not, not pick it back up. Let's stop undermining our own happiness. Lord Jesus, help us to drop these things, but then more to leave them dropped. Lead us into freedom, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. God, grant us the ability to see that when we pray, may thy will be done, we are praying blessing for ourselves. That is what you desire for us. You desire to bless us. 
Your will is that we would get the best out of life. Your children, your sheep. Go with the trust that says that God is looking out for you and that he is indeed for you. Be blessed in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. You may be seated. It's better when you're here. It's better when we get together.